BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Check. Hello. Hello, Ben. <laughs> yeah. What up? Uh, well, I um <clears throat> I don't really have a script, but I'm gonna riff Perfect. when we open. Uh so I'm gonna go without a net today. How about that? Leave LeBron alone, okay? <laughs> uh I'm I uh we just did a Romana uh, rundown. And I asked her about it because I, I think I'm going to write a column about LeBron James and how okay. the lights picking on him. And I like talk about LeBron. So, and if, if you have any thoughts, I'll steal your ideas too. I told Ramon I'm going to steal your well, ideas. Uh, my column's coming out in two days, and I don't want you. You know, I want. <laughs> That's a, by the way, Fran did drop. I I I took a look at Kim Fox interview. Yeah, remember I predicted that. Yeah, yeah, I remember I saw it on there. Huh. Did you see the numbers? What numbers? Fran's numbers, or do you not have access to them? I do. Oh, yeah, I saw her numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I still, for some reason, we still have access to uh, Right. I don't know why. Who knows? Who cares? I love We've it. moved on from two things. We've moved on from CPT, from the Sun-Times. We're just a move-on couple, couple of guys. Well, maybe you've moved on, but I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> no, I love them. <laughs> Those bastards. All right. Yeah. I still have their microphone. Stay, or the... uh, you still have their headphones. Headphones, yeah. I'm setting, I'm think, every, I'm setting everything I'm thinking, up. Sorry. Your thing, man. I'll I'll be quiet while you do your oh, thing. No, it's all good. I'm just getting it all here today. I... An Oscars quiz. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I also didn't look up the JB thing. I better look it up right now. Hold on. Bye. This is a... T- okay. Oh, I got two texts from Peter Janko. Samantha and I have talked about going to Mojo's. What did you just say? Samantha and I have talked about going to Mojo's. Remember Mojo's? Uh, what's no? What is that? Uh, that restaurant we went to with the alligator. Oh, the alligator. 
Yeah, remember what alligator? they served alligator. Oh, is that the place out in the Burbs, like Burbank or yeah, uh, yeah, 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 Bellwood or whatever? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh man, yeah. You said it was delicious. You got it from uh, Mike Sula. <clears throat> By the way, I should bring Sula back to the show. Thank you for reminding no, me. No, that's that. the that, that's the egg roll place. Mojo's oh. is where we did the broadcast. Oh, hell yeah, man. Ask, uh, what's her name? Rita? Yeah. The late, I love that lady. Ask <laughs> her if we could do a show there. Get, uh, old boy off his sorry ass. No, you can't do it. Cause I get that promotion, but I bet naked set it up. He's a fucking DJ, right? Yeah. We, we could do a remote from there. Well, let's see. I'll talk to him. Cause I, yeah, what, we, we've been meaning to go there. I told her about it. Are we ready? Oh, I love that place. We ready? Born ready, boy. You look at that Pritzker thing? No. Oh, sorry, sorry. I got Mojo's, okay? <laughs> if you just Google Pritzker Executive Order Earth Day. All right, all right, hold on. Pritzker um, Boomer Time on phone. Right, I'm going live. This is this is too good of material. Okay. <laughs> uh, hold on. Okay, Ben. You oh, go, yeah. You go online. You look it up. Oh, you find it? <laughs> Yeah, I found it. All right. I'm with you, Britzker. I'm reading it now. How's it going, everybody? We're live. Uh, yeah, I know you just uh, tuned in on a very, uh, in the middle of a conversation. You don't know what the hell we're talking about, but teach you know a bit, teach a bit about the internet. I'll That's let all. that cat out of the back. So what, uh, <laughs> it, that was make fun of the old guy. <laughs> uh, ben, look this up on the phone. And then if you see me, ladies and gentlemen, it is pretty funny. I'm like looking at my phone squinting like, um, uh, how does this work? I knew it. <laughs> ah, old people with phones. Old people with phones. Makes for you know. makes for great podcasting content, I've learned. <laughs> old people. I listen, I just learned what a uh, Twitter did not know this, Steve. Oh, please teach us. Teach us, wise one. Uh, <laughs> uh what do they call it now? Blue check. You ever heard of that? A yeah. blue check mark? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Look at you knowing stuff, man. Mr. Twitter inside. I didn't know what it was. Now I do. It's a blue check mark. <laughs> yeah, it's a blue check mark. Verifying that you are who you say you are. Yeah, so verify. It's who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know either. I don't feel so bad. Whenever Dennis doesn't know something, I don't feel so bad. Well, he's a millennial. He doesn't know. That's just one of those things where I hear people say, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, blue check mark. That's right. And I act like you know I know. the annoying thing about boomers? That I'm like ripping boomers these days. I should stop it. But when they act like they really know stuff that millennials know, you know what I mean? Don't you find that kind of annoying? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, Justin Bieber. Oh, I love him. <laughs> You're a boomer. It's okay not to know what the younger generation knows. All right. More All people right. are coming on the live stream chat. Steven, what's up, dude? Long time no see. Welcome back to the live stream cha- uh, chat. Uh, ben, we have a new live stream chatter here. His name's HM. Uh, get, get, say hello to HM. He's, he's new HM. to the live stream chat. Welcome. Hello, HM. HM Pitiform. That's obscure reference. No one will get. Um, welcome to the show. Did you know that reference, HM? I didn't. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Isn't there a, a, a store? There's a store. H&M. H&M. And they're in a, uh, they were calling for a boycott of Chinese made products. And they're in the midst of quite a fight uh, with all kinds of uh, 
Twitter heads, the equivalent uh, in China. How about that, D? You oh. know I knew that, huh? The things that you know. Uh, Frank on the live stream chat, he said apparently Ken Bone is verified on Twitter. Remember Ken Bone? Remember that guy? No? no. The guy who was Which in the one? debates, he was the, the portly fellow who had the sweater on, and he was like years ago, like the 2016 debates, I believe it was, and he had a question. Remember that guy? No? No, um, no I know his brother, Dog. All right, we're moving on here with the Ben Jarofsky show. Your Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, what a week it was. Rumors, more rumors, and term limits. It's just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. As well as Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke. They talk about pot on there. So many things at the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com, the latest column from Ben Jarofsky, is on ChicagoReader.com. If you haven't read it, you should. And while you're there, become a Ben head. Yes, if you want to support this program, you can. It's a three-tier system. You can either be in the alley, the avenue, or you can be living large in Benny Boulevard. Find out more information at chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky and be sure to pick up Ben Jarofsky's new book, his greatest hits covering over 40 years of (laughs) Chicago journalism. Holy crap. I am 37 years old and he has uh, covered 40 years. I still can't believe it every time, but go check it out. Chicagoreader.com. Ben, you have a choice for song of the day today Mm -hmm. or song of the week. I should say Uh, Mm -hmm. Frank weighed in with his and then Steven, uh, gave us his. So host choice here. Uh, you can either do On Broadway by the Drifters or Stephen's Request. Uh, let's see here. On the Road Again by Willie Nelson. Oh, I'll do them both. On the Road Again. I can't wait to get on the road again. Love that song by Willie Nelson. Uh, and Frank, uh, on the board, I'm going to do the George Benson version. Oh, there we go. go. Millennials yeah. are like, oh, really? Now, well, well, well. Sound yeah. a little like cat out of the bag, but that's fine. Wait, wait, wait. So, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I see they're all coming in. On Broadway. On, and then he goes, do 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 starts scat singing and playing guitar and. I like the George Benson version. I mean, the Drifters are awesome, but I like the George Benson version, too. People, do you miss these intros every day? I sure. (laughs) I sure do. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, April 23rd, and welcome to the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week It Was, Rumors, More Rumors, and Term Limits. Now your host. It's not a rumor. <laughs> it's Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. It's totally true. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Leave LeBron Alone Friday. And here's why. Yes, yes, yes. It's oh, what a week it was. And yes, yes, yes. We'll get to it. And yes, yes, yes. Dr. D uh, spent the better part of the morning writing his script as he sat out on a beautiful day overlooking a Starbucks, I believe it was, mm-hmm. uh, in Pilsen. So we'll get to all that. Little, I just have to say little Italy, else. little Italy. I got to be more. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Correction. Uh, can we correct that? Can we just correct that one there? Little Italy. 
I know the corner he was at. You think I should get it right? I think it was a Racine and a Roosevelt, if I'm correct. Well, I was Am headed I home. I was headed home. I was actually near uh, Taylor and Ashland, I believe. But You know, this I is mean- a reversal. Uh, many, that's the reversal, Sandy. Uh, many times in the old days when we were still at the studio, at uh, my beloved Bright One, uh, I would ride my bike to the studio and I would stop right outside the United Center. Remember this, D? And I would sit under a yeah. tree with my little notebook. <laughs> Nothing's changed since high school. I still write, ladies and gentlemen, in a uh, diary notebook that I used to keep diaries when I was in high school. And I still write in. Or I would write my thoughts of the day out there. And I'd be sitting under the tree. I was like, I don't want to leave. I would call Dennis on the phone. And he went, where are you? Like, Get here. It's not how I sound. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, man, it's so nice under this tree. I don't know if I'll ever leave. No, you'd be like, yo, man, I'm smoking a joint. <laughs> That's what you would say. Like, okay, no pot smoking before the show, please. Anyway, good times, good times. I do miss uh, our little studio at the Bright One. But, you know, folks, we're never going back. I'm telling you that right now. I don't was just talking about this. Me. Uh, I forget who I was just having this. Oh, Jimmy Coogan. It might have been Jim Coogan. The great Jim Coogan was on the show the other day. And uh, I was saying, you know, the day may come. I'll be sitting on the looking overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And who knows where Dennis will be? Lord knows. Like he could be in Alton. He could be in New York. Who knows? We'll be doing the podcast. Anyway, before we get to the news of the week, uh, Dennis has a great uh, show set up for us, so we're going to get to that. I just have to say something. And um, I am just so sick and tired of right-wingers ripping on LeBron James. Can I just I'm gonna get this off my chest, D? I'm probably going to write a column about it. I really I just like LeBron James. I'm going to speak about uh, as a basketball player. I'm not a LeBron fan. I put that out there. I'm a Bulls fan, and LeBron broke my heart so many times when he was on the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Miami Heat. And uh, then he started, like, playing with their factions, like suggesting he might come to Chicago in 2010. Any Bulls fan knows. Just use Chicago. <laughs> the dummies in Chicago. Oh, LeBron's coming. Yeah, no, he wasn't even thinking about it. He was just playing us against Miami. So I know all that. But I really respect him as much as I really don't cheer for him. As a basketball player, I really respect him as a man and how he uses his celebrity and his platform to call attention to all kinds of really serious, important problems that we're confronting in this country on the issue of race. And uh, so many athletes for so long, I'm just like, well, I don't want to be controversial. You know, and I want to lose this endorsement or I want to offend this. But no, LeBron James speaks his mind. So. What's his payback? Right-wingers bashing him for not taking a strong stand in China. I'm like, what? What does that have to do with it? I mean, he's calling attention to some serious issues we have in the United States right now regarding police and black people, just regarding race relations in general. All you right-wingers, you supported a man, Donnie Trump, who was too chicken to denounce Nazis marching through the streets of Charlottesville in Virginia. He said one thing, then he backed off. And now you're on your high horse about LeBron James? Why don't you take a stand against Nazis and white supremacists in your own party? So, I, I, you know, I just, it's, it's, it is really funny. They, and they, they know what they're doing. I mean, I'm not going to say they're dumb. 
I've never said the right wing was dumb. They know what they're doing. China's a huge consumer of the NBA. Every time you criticize China, anybody in the NBA remotely criticized China, there's a blowback and that could hurt. That does hurt the NBA's bottom line. Uh, there was a boycott. The, what was it? Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets, a general manager, tweeted out support. The protesters in Hong Kong. And uh, the Chinese government immediately called for a boycott of the NBA. There's a huge backlash. NBA players like, uh-oh. They got contracts. They got advertisement deal. They got commercial deal. They're not quite sure where to go with this one. So they hold back. And right wing's like, there, I'm outraged. Yeah, when have you ever spoken out against your boss? Hmm? Right-wingers, when have you endangered your livelihood? Ever? Ever go after one of your sponsors? So I'm just saying, you know, I think what it is, is it's not so much that the right-wing cares about people in China. I certainly don't believe they care about Muslims who are being oppressed in China because they have a... They vilify Muslims in this country. I just think they're looking for any little tool they can find to blast LeBron James for daring to criticize police and just change the subject a little bit so they don't have to address the very serious problems that exist in our country. So LeBron James, I hope the Bulls annihilate you the next time they play the Lakers And having said that, three cheers for speaking your mind. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, the doctor has been up all morning. He woke up at 4 a.m., chopped some wood, smoked a bong, and then went to work. (laughs) Four in the morning he was up, okay? And he was hard at work getting ready for this special. Oh, what a week it was show. So without further ado. I turn things over to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois, the man that Ben Shapiro and LeBron James call the doctor. Uh, lucky me. <laughs> uh, with the news. Pl- D, please do your Ben Shapiro imitation just once before we move on. Really, Ben? Really? Really? Let me do my Ben Shapiro impression. Really? Really? Coming up. Why the Democrats are such awful pieces of garbage. But first, do you need bed sheets? Really, guys? Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah, hey, Shapiro, why don't you turn against the bedsheet company? <laughs> why don't you criticize your uh, sponsor there, Shapiro? Really? Really, Dennis? Really? <laughs> He's this great imitation, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> really, guys? Really? Really? How's it going? I'm Dennis. I woke up at like 7.30. I didn't wake up at 4 in the morning. How you doing? And, uh, oh, the Lakers will smoke the Bulls the next time they play. Who are we kidding? It's true, <laughs> my beloved Bulls. And yes, this is our week in review show. But before we find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week, we got to address what happened last weekend with our Chicago mayor. We really didn't have time to talk about it. It happened after we were gone. And so, you know, we kind of didn't talk about it. So let's talk about it. Seems like it's long gone from the news cycle now. But boy, it was a weird Saturday night. What we thought was big news. Wasn't big news. Apparently, it was all rumors and hearsay. After a Saturday tweet from former 2019 Chicago mayoral candidate Jamal Green claiming that Mayor Lightfoot will be resigning on Sunday, 
the Chicago Twitter sphere lit on fire and <laughs> blew up in everyone's face as tons of Chicago political junkies were salivating at the mouth, wondering what in the actual hell happened. Is the mayor really resigning? Eventually, rumors were flying around about the mayor's personal life, including a dispute between the mayor and her wife. It got really weird. In fact, just as the news broke, Ben, I took two recreational cannabis gummies, and I thought I was tripping balls, man. I couldn't believe what I was reading that night. Like, what is going on? What? Really? But as soon as all of the mayor's detractors laid their heads and went to bed dreaming beautiful dreams of a Lightfoot resignation, Mayor Lightfoot <laughs> took to Twitter on Sunday addressing the rumors with a lengthy six-point statement and called bullshit on all of it. Lightfoot said, quote, Our city doesn't have any time for homophobic, racist, and misogynistic rumors today or any day. I will continue to lead a group of the willing all across our city who are about doing the people's work. The people of Chicago elected me mayor, and I will continue to serve today, tomorrow, and sorry, Jay Marie, into the future. <laughs> Back to work, she said. Ben, I know it's old news, but I feel like this is a story we had to talk about, and I know you touched on it on Tuesday, but your uh, latest thoughts here on uh, what we're now calling Lori Rumorgate. Well, uh, I have uh, developing thoughts in this one. Uh, <laughs> yes, I have addressed it already to a certain degree, but uh, uh, one more time, let me just point out, I suffered so last weekend because all I wanted to do is watch Concrete Cowboy. And all I ended up doing was responding to texts I was getting from various lefties, losing their mind with joy at the possibility that Lori Life would be stepping down. A couple of things that have popped into my mind since then, D. Number one, my beloved lefties, you know I love you, but you lost your freaking minds last week. Uh, <laughs> and I attribute it, D, to this. The left in the city of Chicago really doesn't like Lori Lightfoot in, in the category of stating the obvious. They really, really, really don't like Lori Lightfoot. And so they were just so ecstatic, D, by the possibility that Lori Lightfoot might leave office <laughs> without them having to, like, mount a campaign against her. Just think about how easy it is. They'd have to find, uh, look at it. right now. The left's trying to figure out who to run against Lori Lightfoot. They got to figure out how they're going to raise the money against Lori Lightfoot. And you know, you know that whoever runs against Lori Lightfoot from the left is going to be all but vilified as a commie by the Chicago Tribune editorial board, the Sun Times editorial board, Cranes, and all, you know, all the mainstream reporters will be going, there are questions about his leftist past. You know, mainstream Chicago, Civic Chicago, corporate Chicago, editorial Chicago is going to come after you lefties. So if you're going to defeat Lori Lightfoot, who is the candidate of the corporate elite in this town, you better have a movement. So it's going to be a challenge. And she's going to have a ton of dough. She's going to have all those rich Republican guys are going to be throwing money at her because they look at it like this way. They go like, I think we could trust her on this TIFF stuff. I think we could trust her on using public dollars to continue the gentrification of Chicago. So I think that's the, it, that's where we're heading and lefties, they know it's going to be a fight. So they were like, Oh my God, we may have accomplished our goal without having to actually run a campaign. She may have to step down. And they were basing this on what Jay Maul green tweeted something that some cop told him, <laughs> uh, you know, I already said lefties, 
you can't say don't believe the cops when you don't <laughs> when there's a shooting and then turn it right around and say you believe the cops when they say Lori's uh, stepping down. That said, D, that said, having chastised my beloved lefties, ah, come on, Lori crowd. Stop playing that victim card. No sooner did this happen. D, I've been thinking about this. Our good friend Kelly Casey Cassidy, pride and joy of the uh, Rogers Park State Representative, sent out a tweet. Hey, Kelly She's Cassidy, big, how's it going? Uh, Casey's a big uh, f- uh, supporter of Lori Lightfoot on the Lakefront. And uh, chastising people for, as, for using uh, racist, uh, misogynist, and homophobic rhetoric. And she said, criticize her on her policies. That's okay. But don't criticize her on this made-up stuff. And Casey, you're absolutely right. She criticized her on the policies. But Lori's not that great, Kelly. Just saying. When it comes to taking criticism on her policies. What, what does she usually say? Shut up. I'll take your car. I'll throw you in the river. That's not the quote. <laughs> I'm just saying, Kelly, you know I love you, but your mayor... Is not that good when it comes to criticism. Just saying, she's got to work on that a little bit. It's not like someone criticizes her policies and she goes, well, that's an interesting point. Let me think about that because I can learn from constructive criticism. Now, you know, in the aftermath of lefties making fools of themselves, spreading a rumor that had no substantiation, you know, Lori and her supporters are like, we can handle criticism or a policy criticize our policies. I'm like, when have they ever handled criticisms of their policies? Have they handled constructively criticisms that, I don't know, SDG, Stacey Davis gave it, Stacey Davis Gates makes? They won't even let Stacey Davis Gates into City Hall. You know what? They dislike Stacey Davis Gates so much, they won't let her in. Sorry, you can't get in. Why? Because you're not on the get-in list. They're kind of like, they'll put up with Jesse Sharkey over at the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, so now they're acting like, oh, constructive criticism. We appreciate it. We enjoy it. We learn from it. I'm trying to think of when Lori Lightfoot has ever learned from constructive criticism. Remember when Anjanette Young, she (laughs) just like made up that story about, I never heard of this case before, and I'm not going to have any more comment. And Gregory Pratt, the City Hall reporter, Pointed out some inconsistencies in her statement. Chicago Tribune City Hall reporter. She's like snapped his head off. It's like a snapping turtle. So I'm, uh, I don't know. Guys, can't have it two ways, Lori Lightfoot lovers. You can't say you appreciate constructive criticism when whenever you get any kind of criticism, you hit somebody over the head with a two by four. See, either you accept constructive criticism or you don't. But anyway, that's my thought. My, it's a developing thought. You know, it's a two, it's like as time goes on. You know, I wish I had these great ideas, D, the moment it happens. But sometimes I have to go for walks at night and think. Think about things. And I just started thinking about this whole thing where Lori Lightfoot's playing the victim card. And then all of her corporate supporters are going, I am just so disappointed with the left and this racist misogynistic homophobic you're very honest you're very honest in that assessment with the mayor and uh i'm glad you were but i 
had a little surprise for everybody. We had a mystery guest. It was Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She was on the phone, but let me check. Okay, yeah, she hung up. Yeah, Lori Life. I don't think she's coming on this show anymore. Well, she was about to. Then you (laughs) said all that. Well, I said some nice things, you know. Well, I mean, they were nice in that I criticized the left, so she would have loved that. Let me check line two. Let me check line two. Hold on. Okay, yeah, line two is she's not there. Oh, Lord. Damn it. Oh, God. That was entertaining in a weird way. By the way, and the other thing, let me just end with this. It, it like the Lori Lightfoot supporters acting like they're shocked at gossip. But gossip is just, I just don't know how you could indulge and engage in gossip. All you guys do on Twitter is gossip. That's what Twitter is. Oh, is that, is that a new sound effect on the Ben Jarofsky show? Did we just hear gossip? That's gossip on Twitter. I'm just going to look at my phone for the next three hours. You know, don't say you never hear anything new on the Ben Jarofsky show. All right. That was a brand new sound effect for you. Gossip on Twitter. One more time. It kind of sounds like turkeys, but go ahead. <laughs> I'll just put this out there. I'm not going to name any names, but some of my, some of my friends of the loving Lori Lightfoot persuasion are some of the Biggest gossip mongers. Just saying. Nobody likes gossip when it's gossip about them. But everybody loves to gossip. All right. Steven on the live stream chat says, here's a rumor. Lori is shit at her job. Oh, Steven. (laughs) Come on. Uh, We're never going to get her on this show. So that was last weekend and more on Mayor Lightfoot and the rest of her week later. But now to this weekend, Benny J, it's Oscars weekend. Yes, the 93rd annual Academy Awards will be airing on Sunday. And I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but our host, Ben Jarofsky, absolutely <laughs> loves movies. My God, he watches them all the time. And I know he's seen most or all of these movies that are nominated this year in the Academy Awards. Uh, is that true or false, Ben? Uh, that is true. There's a couple that I haven't seen that just sound so depressing that I can't deal with them. So that that um, uh, that Anthony Hopkins movie about the guy who uh, is getting Alzheimer's, that not going to see it. Well, hey, turn that frown upside down, buddy, because thanks to the Chicago Sun-Times, we are going to test Ben Jarofsky's Oscar nominee knowledge as he takes the Chicago Sun-Times Oscars quiz 2021. (laughs) And now, because our first local story this week is a little in the weeds, let's do a couple of these now. I'm I'm on the site. For those listening, you can take this quiz with us if you'd like, or you can take it later this weekend if you want. Just Google Sun-Times Oscar Quiz, and you'll find it. How are you feeling about this quiz, Ben? Nominee quiz. Uh, I was going to... Dennis uh, told me he was going to do this, and folks, I have a confession to make. I was going to cheat and read the thing, but I forgot. Yeah. So, uh-oh. And I was like, hey, maybe he'll <laughs> cheat and look at it, but I was like, ah, but they'll forget. So I'm glad you proved me right there. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, I'm going to I'm going to go through the questions and I uh, just answer the best you can here. <laughs> Honestly, to me, they look really hard, but uh, maybe they're easy to you. I don't know. Question 1. Three best picture nominees, Judas and the Black Messiah, 
Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and The Trial of the Chicago 7 are set in Chicago, but filmed mostly elsewhere. Ben Jarofsky, which past movie set in the Chicago area won the most Oscars? The movie Chicago, The Fugitive, Ordinary People, or The Sting? Well, first, let me just say whoever put this together. Ordinary People takes place in Lake Forest. Hello, not Chicago. Okay. Look at that. We're on question Uh, one, and you already have a problem with the damn quiz. (laughs) Uh, Everybody knows the answer to that question is Chicago. The musical is, what was it? uh, What's her name? Uh, She was married to Michael Douglas. God, something blanked in her name. I know, Frank, help me out. Catherine Meta, something or other. Catherine Zeta uh, Jones. But Ben, <laughs> how'd you know that? It's That's Catherine really Zeta Jones. Is that your final answer, Chicago? Final answer. Yes. Do you feel comfortable with that answer? Absolutely. Well, you should because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Sting, 1973, won seven Oscars, including Best Picture and Director. Uh, Chicago won six. Ordinary People won four. And The Fugitive won only for Supporting Actor. With Tommy okay, I was off by one. Hello, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Chicago Sun-Times quiz. I was only off by one, and your question was even wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're wrong. Okay. Um, okay, so let's do one more, and then we'll uh, roll on with the news here. Question number two. Which of these movies shot around Chicago got an Oscar nomination? The Blues Brothers? Groundhog Day? My best friend's wedding or risky business? Uh, everybody knows, duh, that the answer is without. <laughs> I mean, come on, risky business. Everybody knows that. All right, I'm starting to learn that when you say everybody knows, you have no idea. <laughs> everybody knows risky business. In fact, uh, Dennis, before the show is over, will do his Tom Cruise imitation. He's going to strip down to his boxers and sing uh, old-time rock and roll. I mean, I'm going to do that later, but none of you guys are going to hear it or see it. All right, you're going risky business. Is that your final answer, Ben Drofkin? Yes. Let's see here. We'll submit risky business. Yeah, boy, believe it or not, Ben, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think there's something wrong with the Sun-Times quiz. It says, wrong answer. My best friend's wedding, 1997, was nominated for James Newton Howard's musical score. The others received nothing. Wow. That just goes to show you how the uh, Academy Award doesn't know anything. You got both of them wrong. Let's let's try and do one more. Maybe uh, you can uh, at least get one here before we move on. All All right. Question number three. Yeah. Second City alums. Stephen Yoon is a Best Actor nominee. For Minari, which of these Second City alums has not won an Oscar? Alan Arkin, Adam McKay, Jordan Peele, or Nia Vardalos? Has not won an Oscar? Has not won an Oscar. Everybody knows. Oh, boy. I mean, come on, D. Everybody knows Adam McKay never won an Oscar. Come on, D. Get, Get in the game. He's going Adam McKay, and that's your final answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wrong again. <laughs> Vardalos was an original screenplay nominee for My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2002, but did not win. Arkin won Best Supporting Actor for Little Miss Sunshine. Peel won Best Original Screenplay for Get Out. And McKay won Best Adapted Screenplay for The Big Short. 
Oh. Well, they may have been right about that, but they were wrong about the first two. All right. You're not good at this, but we'll try again uh, before we end the news. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the local news. We begin in <laughs> Illinois, and we begin with Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. Oh, say that again, pal. It was a very busy week for the governor. Well, in, in general, really, we had 420, a.k.a. Reefer Day. Uh, the Derek Chauvin trial came to a close, and yesterday was Earth Day. Yes. Happy Earth Day to you. <laughs> And in honor of the Day of Earth, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed two, count them two, executive orders into law. First up, it's Executive Order 2021-07. Executive Order 2021-07 paves the way for emergency utility bill relief for nearly 80,000 families and temporarily suspends two provisions of the Illinois Energy Assistance Act, expanding the use of available emergency relief dollars for Illinois utility customers currently at risk of service disconnections following the end of the winter moratorium. And it also maximizes the number of households eligible for relief. The governor's executive order paves the way for a new utility disconnection avoidance uh, program, UDAP, allocating an estimated $80 million to households in crisis. I um, support those initiatives. I'm just wondering why it took an executive order, went out of uh, an act of the legislature. A little cautious about executive orders these days, uh, D. And uh, it's the like one of the few areas that there's any kind of common ground between MAGA and myself. Remember uh, earlier, I was defending uh, Darren Bailey on in the principle, on the principle, just the principle that um, you know. We should, we, uh, the legislative branch has a role, and the executive branch has a role. And uh, I mean, in this particular case, you would figure the Democrats would support it, that both houses of the, in the General Assembly are Democratic uh, run. I could see why a, the governor of uh, Wisconsin or Michigan, where you're just dealing with nutcases in both Republican nutcases in the House and the Senate, I have to deal with executive orders. But I'd like to see them minimized. It's kind of a carryover from my uh, years of, following Chicago politics where mayors would just implement, implement their policies. <laughs> like the command. <laughs> we got to follow our mayor wherever he or she leads us. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, that's my uh, general. But you know, D, I'm loving JB. Hard for me to, you know, it's hard for me to criticize JB. You, and, it, and I blame you. It's your fault because you were the one who showed me before the JB Pritzker suck sign, your Facebook feed with all those hostile messages that people that you knew from downstate were posting about JB. And I had that knee jerk reaction. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's hard for me. I try, you know, to like, Try to criticize him every now and then, you know, just to show, hey, I can do it. I can well, criticize you. Maybe you'll have a problem with the next executive order here. On to executive right. order number two. Now, mm-hmm. the last one was titled Executive Order 2021-07. Ben, what do you think this one's called? Uh, executive Order 2108. You're good. <laughs> Man, you're good. Yes, Executive Order 2021-08. It starts transition to low emission and zero emission state-owned vehicles. 
The order also establishes a state fleet working group compromised of representatives from different agencies within the administration that will lead the effort and take steps to procure and encourage the use of electric vehicles for state employees and the general public. The state fleet working group will be led by the Illinois Department of Central Management Services, and in the coming months, the group will begin efforts to reduce emissions from the transportation sector by establishing a plan to finance the purchase of low emission and zero emission vehicles for state use. Benya, are you going to warm up to an electric car, maybe? Uh, I, I will eventually. First of all, that would require buying a new car. <laughs> I still have old Betsy, which is like 10 years old, so I'm not much for buying cars. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you 100% there, JB, and I'm waiting for the Republican opposition. Always interesting to see uh, how Republicans try to uh, message their opposition to anything that is remotely environmentally friendly. I'm looking at the headline in today's paper, Biden vows to cut emissions by half from 2005 levels. Uh, and, you know, immediately Mitch McConnell comes out and says, this is going to kill jobs, destroy the economy. They just got that knee jerk reaction, anything, uh, probably because they're big donors, you know, or some like the oil companies and uh, what have you, coal companies, etc. And so, uh, and it's just this, they, they play into these, these ancient myths that some that being green is anti-job. And the whole Green New Deal is about, what, bolstering the economy while being smart environmentally. But the Republicans have turned that into like a demon. They did such a great job of it that both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden ran away from it uh, during uh, the debates uh, in last year, 2020. Well, we're not for the Green New Deal. That's some AOC thing. No, we're pragmatists. Now Biden is basically dusting off the Green New Deal and putting it out there. Here, here. Better late than never. So, yes, I'm with JB on this. And uh, I'm looking forward to hear the myths and propaganda and utter total BS that will emerge from the Republicans as they try to find a way to oppose this. I'll give it a day or two. So there you go, Ben. Don't say the governor isn't eco-friendly because he obviously is. Two environmentally conscious executive orders on Earth Day from the big feller. Springtime. Love it. Yes, it is spring. Not a crazy week for our Illinois governor news-wise other than that. Uh, Our Chicago mayor has the floor on that front, guys. Please trust me. But we do have some information on one of the governor's early gubernatorial challengers. People, it is time for a quick And yes, we realize very, very early 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Oh, yeah. All right. As we've mentioned before, the governor currently has three Republicans not socially distancing and breathing down his neck, (laughs) looking to take his seat. Some guy named Shemp, some dude named Rabin. And the downstate renegade, the leader of Pritzker Sucks Nation, Xenia, Illinois Senator, hog farmer, and gubernatorial candidate one, Darren Joseph Bailey. I don't know if that's his middle name. <laughs> Darren Joseph Bailey. I was like, really? I don't know. That's his middle name? <laughs> we got to get the research team on that to find out Darren Bailey's middle name. Frank! Take care of that. I'll look at it as well. Maybe we'll get that uh, next week. 
But uh, news from uh, the Darren Bailey camp or farm. I'm not sure. I've never been to where his headquarters is. We learned this week that Darren Bailey has raised $420,435 in the first quarter in his bid for governor. Ben, how do you feel about that? Well, I uh, have two thoughts uh, about uh, Darren Bailey getting all that money uh, and positioning himself uh, to be the Republican nominee for governor. We've been talking about this from the moment he emerged uh, as a leader of opposition to uh, J.B. Pritzker and as a uh, MAGA uh, flag waver. I believe he um, is a frightening specter to uh, folks in Illinois. And I'm just like, oh. Part of me says, oh, yeah, you should hope that he's the nominee because he's such an extremist uh, that JB will win. But what if Darren wins? I don't know, anything's, anything's possible. So uh, just the notion that so many people would give so much money to this guy, uh, I find a little frightening. Now, we, you know, again, big believer in uh, people's liberty and rights to speak their mind. But whenever he talks, I get a little nervous when Darren Bailey talks. And I remember when he came to Chicago last year, it was so bizarre. The, when he showed up for that, uh, that rally they had at Buckingham fountain. And we, we talked about it, you know, with the anti-mask rally. And uh, he talked about, uh, you know, it's not that I have anything against Chicagoans, but they're like wayward people. Every now and then wayward children, every now and then we'd spank them really weird imagery coming out of Darren Bailey is obviously has a very uh, twisted notion of people who live in the city of Chicago. So the idea that the Republican party would think he's the best representative to lead the state of Illinois uh, into the future is kind of frightening, even though all my um, friends who are democratic tacticians are telling me, Ben, you really want an extremist like Darren Bailey to run against. It's easier to run against him. That's those are the two schools of thoughts there, Dean. Yeah. Easier to run against them. Maybe. I don't know. But it's very unhealthy for the community. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's very so, unhealthy uh, for your, you know, neighbors and everybody hating each other. Wait. So do you have any other uh, Republican candidate news that you want to give? Because I have one I want to let uh, talk about. Wait, you have breaking news? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. um We've been talking about Adam Kinzinger on the show uh, quite a bit. Uh, Adam Kinzinger, cost uh, Republican congressman uh, from the 16th Congressional District. And for the longest time, I had people come on the show who wanted to defeat him. People of the Democratic, from the Democratic Party trying to defeat him. I've had many uh, candidates who run against Adam Kinzinger, or at least run in primaries to run against Adam Kinzinger, uh, come on this show. Uh, and uh, But uh, Adam Kinzinger has become something of what? What's the word I want? Uh, Weirdo. <laughs> Flip-flopper. <laughs> Freak show. Uh, he's become something of a role model. I hate to say, I'm hesitant to say hero uh, to Democrats because he stands up to Trump and MAGA. And uh, so, of course, this is suspicion throughout the state of Illinois. All of them. I remember the political know-it-alls, Danny P and the Jacob Kaplan coming on the show. He's going to run for governor, Ben. He's going to run for I go, no, he's not. He said he's not going to run. He said he's not going to. They all look at me like, God, how could someone so old be so naive? I go, he said he's not going to run. Well, things changed a little bit, D, uh, on the uh, sometimes as a show, the Lynn Sweet and Laura Washington show. And Adam Kinzier was a guest on that show. 
It's probably not the name of the show, but I don't know. I always give the host the name, whatever. Uh, anyway, so Lynn Sweet and Laura Washington were interviewing Adam Kinzinger, and he let the cat out of the bag. Yes. It's getting better. That was damn good, cat out of the bag. Gotta say. Gotta say. <laughs> he said he's, hey, you know, if they take away my congressional seat, I may run for governor. I may run for senator. I'm just weighing my options. I'm like, oh, looks like Jacob Kaplan and Danny Pokoshelsky were right. Or it could have been like a subtle threat to the Democratic map makers. Hey, guys, you don't want to have to deal with a moderate Republican. And he is what passes for moderate uh, in this day and age because he dares to criticize Trump and MAGA. You don't want to have to deal with a moderate Republican. So take care of me on the congressional map. Give me a map that I can win in, and maybe I'll just run for re-election. Oh, Adam Kinzinger. He may have been born at night, but he wasn't born last night, Dave. He knows how to play the game. <laughs> so, yeah, he let that cat out of the bag. He may be running, D. And then that question always that you have to remember when it comes to Adam Kinzinger running statewide in a Republican primary, are there enough MAGA stooges in the race against him to split the MAGA vote and enable him to be victorious by virtue of the quote-unquote moderate Republican vote. And I'm not quite sure Rabin Shemp, <laughs> my least favorite stooge, uh, and uh, DB are enough. I think you may need another MAGA person in there. So. Yeah. Or, Jeannie Ives, join the race. Oh, yeah. Jeannie Ives, join the race. Or Kinzinger, I don't know. Get a hog farm. Maybe that'll help you uh, win over those Trumper votes. But uh, there it was an early 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Can't be early enough, if you ask me. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Who is going to feed them hogs? Am I right, Ben? <laughs> Someone's got to. Someone's got Someone's to while this guy runs. All right. One more statewide story. As we all know, Michael Joseph Madigan, that is his middle name, was Speaker of the House for an absurd and, well, unhealthy amount of time, like 30-plus years. And now that the long, 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 long-time House Speaker Mike Madigan's 30-plus year reign has come to a close, I guess the big question for Illinois lawmakers moving forward has been, okay, so how do we prevent that from ever happening again? <laughs> yeah. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Rachel Hinton and Andrew Sullender. The headline reads, State House passes term limits bill that would uh, put in reins such as Madigan's to the history books. The bill caps the terms for speaker and minority leader in the House and president and minority leader in the Senate to no more than 10 consecutive years. It would take effect in January 2023. The bill, which current speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch has co-sponsored, has, quote, been a priority for the speaker since day one because he understands how important it is to build a bench for leadership positions in the General Assembly. That's according to a spokeswoman for the speaker. Uh, ben Jarofsky, your thoughts here. So uh, term limits. 
Yeah, it's term limits. And I'm all over the map on term limits. Everybody knows that. Uh, by the way, Pat Quinn will be joining us next week. I'm really looking forward to a conversation with Pat Quinn. Uh, and he, of course, he was the proponent for term limits in the city of Chicago uh, for uh, mayor to really get at Mayor Rahm Emanuel. We'll give an update on that one. That's a story that never goes anywhere. But uh, I'm all over the map on term limits in principle. I'm against them. But in practice, well, I can see the point. Uh, now, this bill passed unanimously, I want to say, D. I think it was unanimously. I, I, I looked at a picture of the board, the electronic board that they have in Springfield that marks a person's votes, and all the colors were the same. So brilliant political uh, scholar that I am, I came to the conclusion that it was a unanimous vote. So I like to think if I were in the, the State House, D, it's impossible, thought it, I would have voted no just just to mess up the color scheme. You know what I mean? Instead of all the, just, just throw a green. I think green is no. This Or I don't, I don't know. I can't remember which one is no and which one's. I would have just thrown them. I would because, assume uh, green is yes and red is no, right? No. Yeah, that would make sense. Right? Uh, the, Madis, uh, Madigan. Madigan was not a healthy thing, uh, as Dennis just said. Madigan's reign. Just all that power, all that time. And I was just having a conversation uh, with somebody about this estate rep who will remain anonymous because uh, they were being speaking honestly. But they said Madigan knew he was going to be there. And so a typical Madigan bill, he, he would suggest opposition. He definitely would not support a bill. That would force whoever was a proponent of the bill to come rushing to support him praise him, donate money to his campaign, donate money to uh, caucus members, other Democratic campaign. And then he might grudgingly concede to pass the bill. But he always have a stipulation. Like the sunshine. <laughs> the sunshine. <laughs> I mean sunset <laughs> provision. Got my sons mixed up. That the bill would like would only last for two or four years. That meant everybody had to come back to Mad Dog again. That's how he did it. I, I just, I'm with Dennis. I don't think that's healthy, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think that's healthy. I saw him do that with uh, gay marriage. I remember that one. I think he had the votes to pass it, but he didn't call it. He didn't call it. So what? For another year, money rolling into Mad Dog. <laughs> At least he didn't put a, a sunset provision on that. I figure he couldn't get away with that. But I remember that. I remember when that happened. All the Madigan supporters. Like, I was like, call a bill. Let's see what, who's. No, Ben, you don't understand how the process works. Most of these guys were, uh, who were telling me how much I didn't understand how the process works. They were actually lobbyists who were getting paid. To promote the bill. So they got, oh man, I got another year of this gravy train on this thing. Well, let's let's, let's, let's extend this baby a little while longer. See, progressives, that's what you like to be called. So I'll call you progressives. Lefties, this is how they use us. String us along. Oh, yeah. That's not a bad bill. Oh, we just don't have the votes this time. Maybe next time we can reintroduce it like a rat in a cage going around, around, around. So, yeah, D, I, I think it's healthy. 
that we uh, limit uh, the speakers so we don't have somebody with all that all-consuming power running the show all these years. So here, here. Good job, Chris Welch. Good job, Chris Welch. Hey, Ben, what do you say we do another 2021 Oscars nominee quiz? Okay. Uh, two for two, right? Uh, no, you're awful. You've missed all of them so far. All three. Well, but, I think one of those questions was uh, wrong technically. So, Of I course. Yeah. They're wrong. Not you. A staff of people who <laughs> revised it, made sure it was good. They're wrong. Not you. Who just heard it for the first time. Okay. Question number four. With her fourth nomination this year, Davis became the most nominated black actress in Academy Awards history. Who is the only other actress of color with three Oscar nominations? Your choices are Angela Bassett, Whoopi Goldberg, Octavia Spencer, or Cicely Tyson. Come on, man. Man, could you make them hard? Could you like, I want a hard question, okay? These are so easy. <laughs> E-Z-E-E. Oh, for the love of God, That's pick how one. easy they are. Everyone knows the answer that is Cicely Tyson. Come on, D. Cicely Get Tyson. Get in the game. Give me a hard question. Is that your final answer? Yes. Picked Cicely Tyson. Yes. Man, boy, you're wrong again. <laughs> Spencer was a Best Supporting Actress for Whoa. The Help in 2011 and nominee in that category for Hidden Figures uh, in 2016 and The Shape of Water, your favorite, in 2017. <laughs> I did kind of like the shape of water. I remember you talked about it there for a while. Yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, uh, you know, uh, how can I blame the Sun Times for that one? All right, you are really bad at this, but <laughs> we'll try one more time uh, before we end the news. Uh, Let's go to the news okay. in the city of Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Question sucks. First on <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran Spielman. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's plan to overhaul Chicago's Affordable Requirements Ordinance to create sorely needed affordable housing sailed through a city council committee Tuesday, despite the demands for more family-sized housing. The 14-3 to 3 vote by the city council's housing committee sets the stage for the final action that took place at the city council meeting on Wednesday. That would allow Lightfoot to deliver on her campaign promise to raise the bar for developers receiving city subsidies, city land, or a zoning change. Aldermen voting no were... Anthony Napolitano of the 44, uh, 41st Ward, Alderwoman Maria Haddon of the 49th Ward, and mainly the reason why I brought this story up, <laughs> 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez. Sigcho Lopez said the mayor's 20-member task force was, quote, within reach of a great agreement but missed by failing to require 30% of all affordable units to have two bedrooms and 15% to have three bedrooms. And trust us, more on Sigcho Lopez and the mayor in moments. That was uh, kind of the beginning there. Uh, ben, your thoughts on this? Well, my guess is uh, the re- Napolitano, who is the uh, alderman of the 41st Ward, is Dennis Knows, uh, and probably mm, uh, the most conservative 
politically speaking, a member of the city council who supported Jeannie Ives uh, for governor, uh, I guess is that he thought it was too much encouragement uh, for low uh, for affordable housing. Uh, the reality is this, and we had Byron on the show last week. It was, I forget, D, that's all coming together, uh, talking about this uh, bill. The reality is that Chicago's mayors since daily uh, have been dedicated to the goal of gentrifying Chicago. And gentrifying Chicago means moving poor people out and bringing wealthier people in. That's the reality, folks. They don't, nobody says that. It's so politically incorrect that nobody's going to admit that. But that's the reality. And so, you know, they're very cautious about any kind of ordinance that might in any way inconvenience developers uh, and make it less profitable for them. Uh, to, and particularly coming out of the, um, the pandemic, because absolutely nobody knows where the economy is going to go. Everybody's making these predictions. Oh, my goodness. When I talk to... Um, well, they used to be called yuppies. Now they're older, D. But like middle middle class and upper middle class people, they talk about the downtown uh, housing market or the downtown uh, commercial market. There's so much uncertainty in the aftermath of the pandemic and so much uncertainty because people are now working out of their homes and we don't know if people are going to go back to offices. If they're not going to go back to offices, maybe they don't care about living downtown. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, this gets back to what we were talking about before. We were talking about why lefties don't like her and what, why uh, the establishment does like her. She takes very seriously the concerns of corporate Chicago. And so she's not going to push too hard in this. Uh, on the issue of forcing developers to uh, set aside units for that are affordable. So I think uh, in reality, the way the city is run, that's the best that the low-income uh, housing activists can get, D. And that's just how Chicago is run right now. Well, it's how Chicago has been run uh, since Harold Washington died. And two years later, Mayor Daley took over. So that was on Tuesday. And, you know, since the mayor killed one rumor this week, she may as well kill another. Rumor had it on Wednesday that her police chief, Superintendent David Brown, was ready to cut bait and quit his gig and mosey on back to Dallas, Texas. And an already peeved Lightfoot uh, addressed this uh, rumor, saying, quote, David Brown is the superintendent of this police department today, tomorrow, in the future, done. We are done. People who don't like how we're moving forward and breaking up the status quo are trying to spread ugly, offensive, and false rumors in order to create chaos, and some of you are taking the bait. She then let the Chicago media have it a bit. Ben, I guess this includes us. I mean, you know, we're doing a show. So. <laughs> Yeah. saying, quote, we need a vibrant, thorough media. Take notes, Ben. We need vibrant, thorough media in this city that pushes all of us, holds all of us accountable. But you're not doing that when you roll around in the depths of cesspools created by anonymous people on social media. <laughs> when you see this madness circulating on social media, you don't have to be fish and bite at every piece of chum that's cast in the water. Ben Jarofsky, 
this rumor uh, with David Brown, a little easier to believe than the last one we discussed, right? Yeah. It's a little easier to believe. Listen, you know what? It, the way the game is played in Chicago and in politics in general, a lot of times, like, there's so much, like, political jujitsu. So the mayor's people will put something, something out so that the mayor can so strongly denounce it and then, <laughs> and then chastise the media. They, they, what would these politicians do without the media to bash? And by the way, any young aspiring journalist out there, it's like, I want to be a podcaster or I want to be a writer for the reader or I want to be uh, the next Fran Spielman and write for the bright one. Be Gregory Pratt, write for the Tribune. The last person you want to take advice from on journalism is the mayor of the city of Chicago. And I don't care who the mayor is. <laughs> I could see some young journalist. Okay, don't deal in rumors or gossip. So that means I'm not going to take any phone calls from the mayor's PR staff. Because that's what they do. PR people put that out. Get these anonymous calls. Uh, Yeah, don't tell anybody I told you this, but Dennis has a drinking problem. Oh, leave me out of this. (laughs) Folks, that's not true. He doesn't. But that's the kind of thing they do. They put little things like that in your head. You know, Ben, so-and-so, part of the reason why he can't run for re-election is because there's a police report that he beat his wife. Whoa. I'm not married. (laughs) I mean, I can think of all the disparaging rumors that have gone out about certain politicians, and I'm not naming the politicians because the rumors are BS, and they were told to me with utter certainty by these PR people. Ben, it's true. Come on, Ben. Many of whom are now crying because <laughs> Lori Lightfoot may be the subject of them. So that's how the game's played, ladies and gentlemen. That's how, that's kind of very cynical to play the game and then criticize people <laughs> for playing the game. As for uh, David Brown, Dee, did you read today's uh, Frank Maine and Manny Ramos uh, article about him by any chance in today's Sun Times? No, I did not. Uh, it's not home delivered in your house, I see. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I do is like when I see this sometimes, uh, I'll like sometimes if I really like the story, I'll take a picture of it and send it to the writer. Maureen O'Donnell is usually the beneficiary as she is. By the way, can I just, whoa, just ding, ding, what? ding. Maureen O'Donnell, good friend of the Ben Jarofsky show, uh, extraordinary obituary writer, writer. Uh, writer for the Sun-Times, uh, was a Studs Terkel Award winner this year. So lots of shout-outs to uh, Maureen O'Donnell. And wait, hold on. Ding, ding, ding. Karen Hawkins, very good friend of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Hell yeah. And my editor corrects all my misspellings and dumb ideas, makes me look really smart. She, too, is a recipient, uh, will be a recipient of the Studs Terkel Award. So, um much love and respect going out uh, and congratulations to uh, Maureen O'Donnell and Karen Hawkins. Anyway, uh, today's bright one says, uh, here's uh, David Brown, quote, let me start with rumors and gossip. I haven't dealt with those since junior high school. Come on, David Brown. Your predecessor, Eddie Johnson, man, all they did was. rumors. I haven't dealt with those since junior high school. Okay, well, keep it up. Why are you doing it now? Yeah. Let me start with rumors and gossip. I haven't dealt with those since junior high school. 
and I don't plan on doing it now. I think this city has a great mayor. I believe Mayor Lightfoot is one of the best mayors in the country, and I support her wholeheartedly, and I'm going to work my fingers to the bone for her. <laughs> Come on, I'm a little overdoing it. First of all, you're supposed to be working your fingers to the bone for us, the people, taxpayers of the city of Chicago. You're not working for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You're a humble public servant. You're not Lori's servant. Just saying, D. I know, it's a technicality. I, just say it. Went overboard there a little bit. But this mayor stuff, and they're crying and whining about gossip. <laughs> uh, not falling not falling for it, D. Not falling for it at all. And, uh, dude, they will fire you way faster than you will quit. That's kind of how that job goes. Yeah. All right. So the rumor portion of this week's news is done. Close it down. Back to business as usual for the mayor. She met up with her fellow aldermen and presided over this week's city council meeting, the first in-person city council meeting in over a year. And we're going to impact some of that. People, get ready, because it is time for one hell of an episode of everyone's favorite daily Chicago political soap opera. It's episode 420 of A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that. But you are out of order, sir. Today's episode of A Mayor and Her Alderman is starring, well, a handful of our Chicago aldermen. And hey, what a coincidence, it happened again. If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that, but you are out of order, sir. Mayor Lightfoot told Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez he was out of order. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran Spielman. Mayor Lori Lightfoot clashed with Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez of the 25th uh, Ward Wednesday and ruled him out of order during debate on a resolution honoring the life of 13-year-old Adam Toledo. Last week, uh, we talked about it. Toledo was shot and killed by a Chicago police officer summoned to the area by a shot spotter in the early morning hours of March 29th. Toledo fled on foot and was chased by the officer into an alley. Sigcho Lopez told the mayor, quote, What our community demands and deserves is more than prayers or platitudes, but action, Mayor Lightfoot. We have a bill right now, and you know this very well, in the Committee on Public Safety empowering a civilian oversight panel to hire and fire the police superintendent and be the final arbiter on disputes over policy. Lightfoot, bang the gavel. Ben, can we get a gavel bang? Oh, yeah, that's good. Lightfoot banged the gavel and, oh, there it is, and interrupted Sigcho Lopez at the mere mention of a civilian oversight ordinance she promised to deliver in her first 100 days in office, saying, quote, sir, you are now out of order. You are out of order. Mr. Clerk, please move on. Sigcho Lopez's microphone was then promptly cut off as he continued to speak from the council floor. Apparently, that's a tactic. I'm sure Ben will remember. Uh, a tactic <laughs> Mayor Richard J. Daly's administration famously used to silence independent alderman Dick Simpson of the 44th Ward nearly 50 years ago. Uh, let's see here. The quote says, sir, out of respect for the chamber, lower your voices. This is Lightfoot. We are proceeding with business. Lightfoot uh, said to Sigcho Lopez. Uh, yeah, that's the story there, Ben. So uh, this this happened like three or four times now, hasn't it? Yeah. Much irony, and uh, let me just 
unpack it. Number one, Dick Simpson. Uh, yes, indeed. They do stuff like that to Dick Simpson. There was one time where the Sergeant of Arms, I think there's a famous picture, trying to get Simpson to sit in his chair. Dick, Dick Simpson has uh, gone on to become a professor of political science at the uh, UIC here in Chicago and a big supporter of Lori Lightfoot. Isn't that interesting? You stick around long enough to you'll see everything. So, and by the way, they did it, Daly did it to more than Dick Simpson, Leon Prey, pretty much anybody who disagreed with them uh, and Daly didn't want to hear him anymore. This is Richard J. Daly. Boom, off with the mic. I don't beat baby Daly. Richard M. Daly did it that often because he wanted to be um, distanced from his father. Apparently, Lori Lightfoot doesn't care about that. Now, this gets back. That's perfect, D. Thanks for raising this subject. This gets back to what I was saying earlier. If we recall, the first item on our agenda were the rumors that, that lefties circulated this week not the great, greatest weekend for lefties. I admit it. My beloved lefties kind of screwed it up here. And then on Sunday, the mayor and her supporters, they were very sad. As they just said, what has it come to that you would uh, deal with all these rumors? We can handle policy criticism. Please bring on policy criticism. But don't deal with rumors. Isn't that interesting? Byron Sisha Lopez stands up to talk about policy differences. And what does she do? She shuts his mic off. Wait a minute, Lori Lightfoot. I thought you welcomed different opinions and viewpoints. And you welcome policy criticism because you believed so strongly in the certainty of your policies that you could defend them. Or maybe you could learn from criticism and go, you know what? I can make my policy a little bit better by listening to Byron Six a little bit. But it looks like that's not the case. Man, they forgot what they were tweeting out on Sunday by Wednesday. Oh, yeah, D. She, she went back to the days of Richard J. Daly. She said, she just said, you know what? I'll just push this button right here. And Byron's talking. Sort of like me when I have the mute button on, which I do from time to time. It, I did it yesterday, by the way. It's a, that moment where the train's <laughs> going by, I put the mute button on, right. I forget to turn it back on. Ugh, embarrassing moment in podcasting. And the guest is, I can't hear you. <laughs> no, it leads to me. You know, I'm trying I'm trying to give you like a signal. By the way, this is this, we're just having a show meeting right now, live. This is the signal. I do the X with my arms, all right? That means you're muted, okay? A lot of times, though, the problem is, I like to look out the window. Okay? Oh, I, I'm thinking things. Oh, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm looking out the window. And it, and then I turn around and oops. <laughs> Just leads to me so, going, uh, dude, your mic's off. Well, it's not the end of the world. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I'm just, I'm just saying, man, either you respect differences of opinion. You know, I know, I know, I know my, my Lori Lightfoot, uh, defenders go, Ben, you don't understand. There's a time and place for everything. And that wasn't the play, time and the place for the debate. Constructive criticism we can accept, but we needed to do it when we say we can have it. Oh, I see. So now you're telling Byron, like he can't talk what he can talk about. So they were talking about a police shooting but he can't talk about a police oversight board to point out that the mayor uh, hasn't followed through on that promise. I see. He can talk about that at a different time, but not now. Got it. Got it, D. So she can handle constructive criticism. She just wants to tell people when they're allowed to say the constructive criticism. Get it right. All right. And it's all Twitter's fault. (laughs) How dare these people tweet and, 
say false things. That never happens. All right. Uh, so, oh, and we have one more aldermanic story. Finally, 14th Ward Alderman Ed Burke. Dude, what the hell did you do this time? The following comes from the Chicago T- uh, Sun-Times and John Seidel. Wednesday, April 21st, 1.08 p.m. The headline reads, Fed say Burke made a, quote, distasteful comment about Jewish people as authorities investigated him. The comment appears in a 227-page brief filed as part of Burke's criminal case in federal court. Heavily redacted in key parts, it alleges the investigation of Burke revealed him, quote, to be thoroughly corrupt and worthy of prosecution. In the midst of an alleged scheme at the heart of his racketeering indictment, Alderman Ed Burke of the 14th Ward allegedly made a comment about Jewish people that federal prosecutors now say was both distasteful and evidence of his corruption. Ben Jarofsky, I know you touched on this yesterday, but if you could please, uh, your thoughts more here on this story. Well, let me give a shout out to Neil Steinberg, uh, columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. He wrote an excellent column today. And um, Ed Burke, (laughs) what a piece of work this guy is. Uh, And uh, so Ed Burke was uh, talking with uh, Danny Solis. I I went on this yesterday. Uh, Danny Solis, of course, is wearing the wire. Ed Burke trying to gather information that could be used against Ed Burke so that he could trade that information that he uh, uncovers about Ed Burke for a more favorable sentence for whatever wrongdoing he did. Welcome to the city of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. These are two of the most powerful aldermen uh, over the last 10 years. Anyway. Uh, so they're having a conversation, and uh, Ed Burke is talking about how difficult it is apparently to get a business for his property tax law firm. Uh, Lord knows how that's like ethical for the most powerful alderman who oversees every single contract the city uh, signs and every single TIF handout that the city doles out. Uh, would also have a property tax business that uh, would be shaking down some of the same people who are coming to the city for the contracts and the TIF money. And so he can't get business, and he says, you know, as well as I do, Jews are Jews, and they'll deal with Jews to the exclusion of everybody else unless there's a reason for them to use a Christian. Wow. Well, all you Jewish supporters out there of Ed Burke, now you know what he thinks of you. He just let you know what he thinks of you. And you know what? You should have seen it coming because the guy was a freaking bigot uh, when it came to Harold Washington. Why do you think it would be any different? If he's that prejudiced against black people, why do you think it's going to be any different toward Jews? Just didn't say it to your face. But uh, Neil Steinberg wrote a great column and he goes, quote, does Ed Burke really believe Jewish solidarity costs his law firm a client? I phoned Burke's office Thursday seeking response to the latest rotten tomato of shame to splat against his encrusted reputation. That's pretty good writing, Neil. No answer, which is odd because we used to talk occasionally back in the day when he wanted press attention. Yeah, of course there's no answer. If he was a man, he would have returned Neil's a phone and said, I'm, I apologize. I'm a complete idiot. But uh, no, no answer from Ed Burke. And uh, yeah, I, uh, D, I guess I could say I'm not surprised. When people say I'm not surprised, it makes it seem as like we're condoning what he did. I'm not surprised and I'm not condoning it. And um, he should, uh, he owes the city an apology. Uh, and he uh, should stand up and make that apology, in my humble opinion. All right. Uh, any other stories that uh, we didn't touch on here that you would like to uh, talk about before they sail away from the news cycle and local news? Uh, 
No, I, I think we did a pretty good job of uh, covering the waterfront, as they say. And uh, I want to thank you for those Oscar quizzes. I really got a oh, an opportunity. I'm glad you brought it up. Let's have some more fun. All right, Ben, you have answered every question wrong. Well, technically, one of them could be argued that I answered it right. Technically, technically, (laughs) you are wrong. All right, I'm going to look around here and find me a good one. Hopefully, we can get at least one right so you can have a good day. don't want to ruin your day here. All right, we'll try this. All right. By the way, this is a nominee's quiz for this weekend's 2021 Academy Awards. Ben Jarofsky, which real-life character is portrayed in two of this year's Best Picture nominees? Marion Davies, Fred Hampton, J. Edgar Hoover, Orson Welles. Come on, everybody knows it's Fred Hampton Jr. He was portrayed... Uh, in the movie Chicago 7 trial, which, by the way, not that good. If that wins Oscars, forget it. thing is made up fictitious. If you're going to do the story of a credible story in the history of Chicago, you should do it right. Play it. Play it accurate. Uh, anyway, so he's in that movie. And, of course, uh, he's in Judas and the Black uh, Messiah. Great flick. And uh, he, uh, he played, portrayed uh, in that movie. And so, yes, Fred Hampton is the answer to the question. Well, there you go. And notice, listeners, he didn't say everybody knows before uh, he answered that. (laughs) Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Good job. That was correct. You act surprised. Everybody knows I know more about movies than anybody else. (laughs) All right, one more question about your favorite movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7. It sucked. Okay, well, (laughs) Sasha Baron Cohen, maybe you should watch it again. Maybe, uh, you know, you missed something the first time. Sasha Baron Cohen is a Best Supporting Actor nominee for portraying Abby Hoffman in The Trial of the Chicago 7. In what previous Best Picture nominee did the real Abby Hoffman appear as an actor? Born on the 4th of July, Nashville, Reds, or Taxi Driver? Come on. Everybody knows it was born on the 4th of July. Directed by Oliver Stone, the bio of Ron Kovic. The answer is born on the 4th of July. Final answer. Is that your final answer? Yes, sir. All right. Hey, you're doing better. Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. Uh roll. <laughs> We're going to just end it there and, and end on a good note. Guys, if you want to take the, uh, the Oscars quiz, I put the link on the live stream chat. And I don't know, just Google sometimes Oscars quiz. It's pretty easy. And you'll find it and uh, get you all set up for this weekend's Oscars. Are you watching the Oscars at all this oh, weekend? Oh, yeah. I love watching the Oscars. Uh, and uh, Sergio uh, Mims and I had a conversation about this, which I'm probably going to replay on Tuesday morning just to see if he got any of his predictions right. Uh, we've already talked about this, but I enjoy the. But this year's Oscars, it's, it's such a downer because of the pandemic. I didn't get to see the movies in the theater, so it's not like really like a movie. I don't know. I'm old school that way. So I'm... Really looking forward, uh, now that I got my two shots, to going back to movie theaters, D. I now, I now know how to do it after going to bowling. Wear the mask. You sit kind of away from people. Uh, that overcomes the paranoia, the fear. And slowly, we get acclimated to going out into the real world. And so I'm looking forward to it. And um, just haven't figured out what movie will be the first one that I go to see. 
And uh, so, yeah, so oh. I'm hoping that uh, on the movie front, it'll be a better year this year than last year. It's interesting you bring that up. You're talking about bowling. I've I've bowled on your team before. And uh, my, oh, my, you guys do some patty cake handshakes uh, when you uh, bowl. That's out. That's out now. Yeah, we uh, we just do this. You got to see it. It's just like sort of a fist bump uh, that we do uh, for strikes and stuff. Yeah, we the days of the patty cake are gone. Oh, man. Uh, unfortunately, uh, handshaking in general is gone. I'm not crying over that. Well, I wasn't really not much of a handshaking kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? The, the patty cake thing was really hard and intimidated the hell out of me. So if you ever did. need, if you, you were if, a slow learner, if you need someone to sub, I got you. I'll fill in now. That part's oh, over. Now he'll fill in. Okay. I remember the old, I'm really busy. Can't come. We'd be banging them. Please. I'm busy. Those handshakes are really hard. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> anyway, um, I want to thank the doctor for doing an outstanding job. He really did get up early today. He minimized it, but he got up early. He did a, a great job putting that uh, that segment together. I want to thank all you listeners. And uh, you know what, D? I want you to have a great weekend. And I want you to give yourself a raise. And I want you to take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews, over 900 episodes, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. Downloaders, I don't know, maybe join the live stream chat sometimes. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 p.m. Check us out, Chicago Reader, YouTube, interviews, and every week. Oh, what a week it is was follow us on social media at Benny J show B E N N Y the letter J show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, Benny J show at gmail.com. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky show 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky show and become a Ben head Chicago reader.com slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. Help out the Ben Jarofsky Show. Bye. If you want to talk about... If you want to talk about...